After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Today it is uh, June 5th. It's a Wednesday. We're coming to you a little later because, uh, well, first of all, regionals didn't wrap up until Monday or at the end of Monday, late Monday night, really, uh, frankly, when, when Stanford uh, saw off Fresno State to, uh, to finish off the regional round. And then there's this also this MLB draft thing going on. So it's a busy time of year at Baseball America. I would encourage you to you know, check everything out over at BaseballAmerica.com, plenty of NCAA tournament and draft content. Uh, and the minor league side is, is still doing its thing, too. So there's, there's plenty to keep you busy over at Baseball America. And it is a great time to subscribe, which you can do on the website as well. Today, we are here to talk about the Super Regionals and the Regionals uh, that that just finished up, but mostly about the Super Regionals to come this weekend. So to do that, we've got Dave Serrano and Joe Healy joining. Uh, So welcome in, guys. Thanks for having me back, Teddy. uh, We're less than a week away from knowing who is is correct in their predictions of the Final Eight for Omaha. Yeah, and Teddy, happy to be here. Uh, looking forward to, to talking about it, chopping it up a little bit. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I can just feel those 105-degree days in Omaha just around the corner. Seems uh, seems like it'll be here before we know it. That it will. Um, Omaha is is right around the corner. It starts uh, a week from Saturday. The College World Series kicks off. So it's coming fast, um, and it's it's been a long time coming. Joe, or, uh, Dave, since you mentioned the uh, the predictions, I will... I will note that in the uh, eight for Omaha's, each one of us did over at BaseballAmerica.com before last weekend, I have seven teams still standing. Joe has, I believe it is six teams still standing. And Dave has, uh, quick count, six teams still standing. So um, I am leading the, the charge right now. Uh, we will see if that continues. For the most part, it, we, we all have the same teams here. Was that brought up because there's no way Joe and I could beat you in this in this race now? <laughs> um, you know, I'm uh, I'm not going to say that that that's not the case, but you know, I, I think that um, you know that might be a good point that I haven't thought about before. But I think there might actually be enough deviation that Joe might be able to pull this off still, but I could be wrong on that. I'd have to actually examine the bracket, uh, which is what we are going to do. But before we do that here uh, with, the, with the Super Regionals, let's look back uh, briefly on the Regionals, just what stood out to, to everyone from the weekend. Um, you know, Dave, you were in Morgantown uh, there for the, the West Virginia Regional, first time West Virginia had hosted uh, in an awful long time. And... They end up coming up short. Duke wins that regional. What what stood out to you there or, or elsewhere around the country from from what you were able to see? Well, let me first start with the with the Morgantown regional. It was a, an exciting atmosphere. I commend uh, the administration of West Virginia. I commend the the community of Morgantown. I thought they did a first class. Uh, they put it on in a first class manner. They attended it. They were, it was a, a very wild atmosphere in that ballpark. Uh, really got wild a few times when some, there were some reversals on calls by the umpires. And uh, the Morgantown faithful were uh, going a little crazy, to be honest with you. People standing on dugouts and yelling at the umpires and yelling at the opposing team and people getting kicked out of the stadium. But for the most part, I thought they did an excellent job. A very devastating way for West Virginia to, to end their season. Uh, up nine to one in the seventh inning, only to see Texas A&M 
fight back into the game, and then eventually a walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth inning to lose 11 to 10. Very tough to see that team walk off the field. And, you know, a, a team that I was part of a year ago and many seniors that walked off that field for the last time. But I, I thought it was a, a well-put-on regional, well-attended, um, and, um, and an exciting regional. And, and, and like I said off the air, you know, congratulations to Duke and Coach Pollard and, and his coaching staff. But, and this is by no means being negative, but the way Duke did it with what went on around in that regional, they did it in a very vanilla way. Uh, they just outpitched everybody. They were more efficient offensively, and they walked away going 3-0. and and, uh, and there was nothing real exciting. I thought Bryce Jarvis was really good on Saturday in the, in the um, second round. I thought he was really good to keep uh, West Virginia's offense at bay and beat him 4 nothing. But uh, they just ho-hummed through that, that regional. And uh, with all the other chaos that was going around, they just kind of went through it and, and ended up on top, and congratulations to them. But the one thing that surprised me, and I'm sure a lot of people around the country, was, was UCLA um, having to come through the loser bracket. Obviously, the number one team um, for the most part of the season, the number one ranked team in the seeding, and they had to fight back. They had to fight back, and, and uh, they did it in, in good fashion, and they move on to the Super Regionals. But... Um, I thought for the most part there was some excitement around the country. Obviously, the big surprise was the Oregon State uh, Regional, the Corvallis Regional, where, where they went uh, two and out, and um, Michigan comes out of that. So, um, you know, that was probably the big shocker for me uh, around the country for, um, for what happened in all the regionals. Joe, so you, uh, you were taking it all in on, with bases loaded, um, getting, getting all Mike Rooney's thoughts on, on all the action from around the country. So you were able to see probably just a, a greater swath of games than either Dave or I was. Uh, so what, what were your thoughts from, uh, from the regional weekend? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I was subjected to a really, a, a really obscene amount of Mike Rooney this weekend. Um, <laughs> I love me some Mike Rooney uh, and pitchers are athletes, by the way, Mike, if you're listening, I know you are runes. Yeah. I mean, the thing that stands out to me is we kind of ended up with a with a chalky tournament, but not in a chalky way, if that makes sense. So by that, I mean, we ended up with, I think it's, what is it, 13 of 16 one seeds end up advancing through. 12. Some, 12, thank you. So it ends up being pretty chalky, but you alluded, or Dave alluded to it a little bit. I mean, UCLA took an extra day to get there, and Louisville took an extra day to get there. East Carolina took an extra game. It would have been an extra day in a normal scenario, but an extra game. Oklahoma State got pushed to the brink. So um, it ended up kind of being a surprising way to arrive at um, arrive at that place. Also, when you look at it, I think Teddy, you, you tweeted this out not long after the sixteen sites got or the sixteen teams got finalized. That you know the three underdogs were three teams we had ranked in the preseason. Obviously, with Florida State, Michigan, and, and Duke. I mean, it's hard to call those teams underdogs. So the three pretty big brands. Um, but those were all teams that we kind of had ranked in the preseason. So it kind of stands to reason that like the talent has always kind of been there all along that maybe these teams are just now kind of putting it together. Duke's kind of an interesting case because a big reason why we had them ranked in the preseason, uh, was specifically Graham Stinson and they don't have him and haven't had him for the entire, basically the entire season. So, um, that's kind of unique, but otherwise like Michigan and Florida state, maybe it's just a case where those two teams are kind of putting it all together at the right time. And that's part of the reason I think why I had, I had both those teams actually come into their regionals. And a big reason why is I was like, you know, if, if, if we believed in this talent before, uh, maybe they're just waiting for the right, you know, maybe they're waiting for something to kind of spark them again. And maybe the postseason is that thing. And, and so far so good. We'll see They you know, both of them could kind of come into this weekend and, uh, flatten out again. And I suppose we'll see, but, um, long story short, I, I, I was kind of, entertained by the regionals because they played out in such an odd, weird way. But in the end, we kind of ended up with something along the lines of, of what we would have drawn up um, in a chalky way before regionals got started. Yeah. I, I think that that's a, a good point that, you know, that it, we end up with these 12 hosts advancing, but there were a fair amount of games on Monday. Uh, a fair number of these regionals got pushed to game seven and, you know, the hosts that, that did get pushed out, you know, got pushed out in, in a pretty uh, interesting manner. Uh, you know, Oregon State going 0-2. I don't know that anyone really saw the defending champs going out like that. And, you know, Georgia Tech the uh, in the winner's bracket game against Auburn had that game all but one. And then all of a sudden, Stephen Williams crushed a three-run home run. And uh, that was where I was on Saturday night. And, you know, that's that was one of the 
most unbelievable endings to a game that I'd seen I've seen this year and uh, you know a week ago I'd seen Auburn get walked off by LSU scoring two runs on a wild pitch so you know like this outclass that and you know so that that's how that went down and, and I, I also thought that um, what happened in Athens where I also was this weekend with with Florida State winning that regional and Mike Martin moving on to Super Regionals for the 17th time in 21 years and, um, you know, extending his career by an extra weekend, uh, at least, it w- was amazing. And, but just the way that Florida State went about doing it and just how how offensive they were able to be against a really, really good Georgia pitching staff. And, yes, the wind was blowing out at fully field all weekend, but no one else was scoring 10 runs a game. So I, I thought that that was, um, you know, just a, a very impressive showing from Florida State, a little bit unexpected that um, you know they're moving on, but really unexpected the manner in which they move on. And uh, that's a team that I feel like is now playing with a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence, and they're playing for something more because you know they are playing. W- with this being Mike Martin's last season, there, there's an awful lot of emotion that that goes into that as well. Joe mentioned that that tweet that I sent out um, about how the three Cinderella's that are left in this tournament are, are Michigan, Duke, and Florida State. And the only reason that they're Cinderella's is because they're uh, three seeds and the NCAA said that they were the last three of the last four teams into the tournament. There's one school outside the non-Power Five left in this. That's East Carolina. And in baseball, the American is only barely outside the Power Five. Shout out Power Six, which uh, I know is the, the official American rallying cry. It's a weird tournament again, and this is basically two years in a row of this. You know, a year ago in Super Regionals, at least Tennessee Tech made it through. You know, Fullerton is no underdog in baseball, but, you know, at least the Big West made it through. Those two teams were bounced in Supers, and we got an all-power five Omaha where Washington was your Cinderella story, or maybe Texas, just because of the the way in which Texas had uh, gone gone hot late in the season. And I, I don't know there's going to be time to really evaluate whether this is a trend at this point and whether, and if it is that trend, if that's healthy for the sport that, um, you know, just a few years after coastal wins, the national title, we're seeing increasingly seeing smaller conference schools getting pushed out uh, by the dominance of the power five. I don't know if either of you guys have thought about that yet. It's a, it's not a take that I fully have formed myself. So if you haven't, you know, there's there, there's going to be time for us to talk about this in the future. But you know, what what do you guys think of the fact that it's so power five heavy to this point of the tournament? Teddy, I'll, I'll start out with that. I you know I hadn't really broken it down like that, and I, I wasn't aware obviously because I was on the field last year and I wasn't evaluating as as much as I am this year from this side. But it is a little it is a little scary, and I'm saying that because I've been in the non-Power 5. I've been at the Fullertons. I've been at the UC Irvines. And we've always had good teams, uh, teams that have been competitive. And there's many teams out there that, that are like that. And it, it is a little uh, scary, I think, for the sport of baseball because uh, I believe there is some very good programs, well-deserving programs that um, are having tough times taking their program to the next level. Um, not a good sign for the Big West. I was very vocal that I felt a team like UC Irvine should have got in, was worthy of getting in, but a team that was talked about of being uh, one of the eight seeds, uh, a team that has been ranked very high all year, a team that was being talked about being host in UC Santa Barbara goes 0-2. So that's not a good sign for what's to come down the line, in my opinion. But um it is what it is. I mean, it is the strength of, of the strength of it is the power five schools. Um, the truth of it is they should have uh, a little bit of a leeway, not a leeway, but they should have a little bit of an advantage because a lot of them have a lot more money, better facilities to recruit to. But it is sad for the sport, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't I'll, I'll try to keep this brief because I know I could probably get on a little <laughs> runaway train tangent here. But my thing is, I don't care for it, and that's not a surprise because I, I'm me, and I know that it's part of my brand that I'm all about the the smaller schools, smaller conferences, and that's true. And I, you know, I kind of um, that my entree into college baseball in a lot of ways was kind of being interested in wow, this this college baseball thing really allows these 
uh, smaller programs to compete at a national level. So from that standpoint, it bums me out. But I'm I'm actually, uh, while I'm with Dave, that I, I don't want to see it continue to go that way, and that would be concerning, I, I'm not so sure that it's necessarily some sort of um, harbinger of things to come, because I think what we kind of saw this year was just kind of circumstantial things that, that made it play out this way. So by that, I mean, you know, the Sun Belt was a little bit down. I mean, we're used to seeing the Sun Belt provide, you know, Coastal ended up getting in, but we're used to seeing Coastal be a at-large team for sure. So then it's a two-bid league if somebody else wins a tournament at a bare minimum. And then, you know, you know Louisiana's had its moments as, as an at-large team. South Al has had its moments as an at-large team. Conference USA didn't provide the number of teams we're used to them providing. Uh, the Big West, as Dave alluded to, didn't provide what we're used to seeing them provide. And I don't think that's going to be stagnant in that way. Um, now, I suppose you could make the argument uh, to one of these other points that there's just more money pouring into these Power 5 schools, and so that gap is going to continue to widen, and it's going to be harder for these Conference USA, Sunbelt, Big West schools to kind of make up ground. Um, so I hear that argument, and I think there might be something to that. But I think when we look at a one-year instance like this, I just think as much as anything, it was the fact that some of these conferences were used to putting out quality at-large teams just didn't quite do that like we're used to seeing them do. And, and you know, I think a team like Irvine's a good example. I think that was a regional quality team, especially on the mound, um, that just didn't quite have the resume. So I think they got victimized a little by it. But for the most part in these other leagues, it's not like there were teams that, that we believe, the three of us believed, were regional quality that got kind of um, hosed, if you will. I think it was just that those leagues that we're used to seeing produce those teams didn't produce them this year. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if next year it ends up kind of being not the full reverse, but if next year it ends up loosening up a little bit and going back to what kind of more what we've been used to. Yeah. And it, it is true that we were just a, a few, you know, Campbell, which I had picked to win the Greenville regional, um, you know, they ultimately got beat pretty bad by East Carolina in the two regional final games. But, you know, if one of those games just goes differently, Campbell is all of a sudden in a super regional and Fresno only loses by a couple runs to Stanford and they had, you know, Stanford had to beat Fresno twice. And, um, you know, LMU showed pretty well against the Bruins. They just, you know, again, got beat twice uh, in, in the final two games. So, you know, it, it probably wasn't, they, there probably don't need to be that many things that go differently. And all of a sudden you have two or three true Cinderella's in super regionals, but um, it is, you know, I, I'm not as confident as Joe is that, you know, conference USA and Sunbelt schools are going to bounce back. Um, I think life is getting harder there. And, you know, I, it, I, I don't think the Sunbelt is going to be a one bid league forever, but um, you know, I, I've now been at regionals with Florida Atlantic um, two back-to-back -back years and, you know, John McCormick just talking about like, how do we take the next step? And, you know, we got to reload and I mean, it's hard down there. And, you know, I, to, to make that next step to jump to winning a regional, um, you know, it's tough. And there are a lot of schools out there across the country trying to figure out how to do that. And, um, you know, that, that might be one of the tougher jumps to make in, in this sport. But again, we, I, I imagine that this is something we will dive back into uh, either later in the tournament or in the offseason. Uh, for now, I want to move on to the Super Regional matchups themselves. And so we mentioned that UCLA uh, beat LMU to, uh, to win the LA Regional. They are paired in Super Regionals and hosting the Super Regional um, against Michigan, which won the Corvallis Regional. Now, Michigan didn't actually have anything to do with eliminating Oregon State. Uh, they did not have to play the Beavers as the bracket worked out, but they did beat Creighton to win the Corvallis Regional. And Michigan, which entered the year as the Big Ten favorite, is the is carrying the Big Ten banner into Super Regionals. Uh, and for the second year in a row, the Big Ten banner is being carried into um, a Pac-12 Regional that looks very daunting. Last year, that was Minnesota uh, going to Corvallis for Supers, and that didn't go so well. So, guys, is... Uh, does Michigan have any chance here? Did UCLA's hiccup against uh, LMU make you guys reevaluate where the Bruins are? What What are the thoughts uh, going into LA this weekend? We'll, we'll start with you, Dave. Well, I, I think, uh, well, first of all, congratulations to Michigan. They're, 
they're obviously playing at a, at a high level right now. They have the talent. We know that. They, we, we recognize them as one of the better teams in the country early on in the year. I think uh, you brought up a hiccup. I think the hiccup almost helps UCLA. It kind of opens up the light. Hey, our season could have ended. We're one of the one of the better teams in the country. I think that hiccup in that regional and them fighting back through it almost propels them to have a much more successful super regional. Now, <clears throat> I say that cautiously because in the Dodger Town Classic, Michigan ended up or beat UCLA in the one time they played this year. So. UCLA is not going to look past them at all, and I think that that bodes even more for UCLA going into the Super Regional. The thing that was interesting as I was watching this thing play out, I'm getting off track a little bit, is this is one of the reasons why I think they need to probably reseed after the Super Regional, because if Michigan won, or like they did win, and let's say Loyola would have won, that would have been held in Michigan, and you would have had two teams that, that weren't even uh, highly ranked. They were both number three seeds, I think, in the tournament, and I've always believed when something like that happens, that's why reseeding in the Super Regionals after the 16 teams are formed is important because I think it's about getting the best teams to Omaha in my mind. And when some, a hiccup happens in a, in a regional, and I'm not saying Loyola wouldn't have been worthy or Michigan, but I think there's other teams around the country that are worthy. So, but getting back on what you said, I think that the hiccup last weekend really does help UCLA this weekend. It's not going to be easy, but I think their eyes have been open a little bit, and, and I, I could see them being very successful in this regional, super regional. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's obviously a tall task. Um, you know, I would give Michigan a chance, though, because if to the point I made when we started is that I think we believe in the, in the talent they have on that roster. And, you know, if this had been a super regional matchup uh, that we, if you had told us before the season, hey, UCLA and, and, in Michigan are match, going to match up in a super regional. Um, you know, obviously we have to take into account what happened. And that turns out that UCLA was, you know, arguably it's either them or Vanderbilt was the most dominant team during the regular season. And Michigan was a little bit up and down, but I think we believe that the true talent level while while UCLA's is, is better is, is closer than I think those results would have indicated to us. So I think there, there is a, an opportunity there for Michigan to play well there. Um, one other thing to consider, I think is that, you know, of all the places to go to play a Super Regional, Jackie Robinson Stadium is not a, a crucible in the, in the world of college baseball. It's not a place where you're going to have 10,000 fans breathing down your neck like you will at, in Mississippi State or Arkansas or what have you. Um, and Michigan is kind of among the Big Ten programs. They're kind of a West Coast program. I mean, Backage, Eric Backage, their head coach, has some West Coast roots. And they've got, you know, I don't know, up to half a dozen players who are from the West Coast they play on the West Coast every year. You know, they do the Dodger Town trip every year, and they stay out there for a while, and they're going to be comfortable playing out there. Uh, they also beat UCLA earlier this year. So um, there's going to be a comfort level there that some other teams, uh, perhaps just enter any other Big Ten team, um, wouldn't have going to play UCLA. There's not going to be a mystique there that there might have been with some other teams that would have to go up against a team that they watched, you know, that, that team watched stay in, in, in number one in the polls all season. So um, it's a real tough task. Obviously, UCLA is the pick here, but um, I think Michigan's going to have more of a chance than than you would you would think. Even even if we you know uh, allow for the talent, I'm just saying from a comfort level standpoint, I think I think they're going to have more of a chance than you might consider. Yeah, I, I think that that's all fair. Um, you know, I, I do agree with Dave though that the fact that they lost a game already probably is actually helpful. That you know they're not. They, they won't be taking Michigan lightly, having already lost and then having lost last weekend, um, you know, on Saturday to LMU. So I, I think that, um, you know, that all helps Michi or, uh, UCLA. And it also should help. I mean, it, to a certain extent, this will help Michigan as well. But UCLA had three guys drafted on Monday, and they have a few more still to go, I believe. Um, they got some on Tuesday, too. But to have the draft behind them... I think is significant. Now, Michigan has draft picks. Uh, they had two guys drafted on Monday, but um, I, I think that helps UCLA more to, to be able to put the draft behind it and to move on. And, and so I think all of that working together, um, you know, means that this would have to, this would be a significant upset. And, and I don't think that, that UCLA is going to be caught napping on this. They're, they're going to be ready to go on Friday. And, you know, it, it's just, going to be a tough ask for Michigan to, to go out there and win twice. Um, so now we have also starting on Friday, number two overall seed Vanderbilt, and they get Duke 
in a rematch of last year's opening weekend series. Um, probably won't uh, that that probably won't have any imp impact on, on this weekend. But these schools do know each other a little more than than you might otherwise expect. And Vanderbilt rolled through the Nashville Regional. Uh, they did not lose a game. Duke also did not lose a game in Morgantown, as we mentioned. Have to say Vanderbilt is another significant favorite here. In fact. I might feel more confident about Vanderbilt winning this regional than I feel about any region, any super regional rather at this Barra freight train and Duke while, while they're showing plenty of moxie down the stretch here, it's kind of hard to see how they overcome this Vanderbilt team. But uh, Dave, what are your thoughts uh, heading into the, the Nashville super regional? I cautiously say this, Teddy, because I, I agree with you completely that, this is one that looks like chalk is going to play out completely. But if you're Tim Corbin and his coaching staff, and hopefully the players too, this is the one with past experience that you're almost afraid of if you're wearing the Vanderbilt uniform because it is seems like it's supposed to be so one-sided. You know, as I said, and I by no means was putting down Duke earlier when I said they kind of just did it in a vanilla way. That's kind of how they, they did that, won the regional. But – they have a good team. I talked to, to Coach Pollard a lot. We stayed at the same hotel in Morgantown, and he really likes his team. He thinks there's a real toughness to their team, and they're they're playing with house money now. You know, they have nothing to lose, and that, as a coach, as a former coach, you're almost worried about going into a into a weekend series or a super regional with that with the opposing team having that kind of mentality. I do like Vanderbilt here. I think. I don't know if Duke's offense can keep up with what Vanderbilt's going to bring to the table. But I think it's a little bit – I think I'd be scared, a little scary if you're, in the, if you're a Vanderbilt fan or if you're part of that program because this is so one-sided. Um, but I do like Vanderbilt. I, I think, you know, obviously uh, the, the pitching for Duke was really good in the Morgantown region. It's going to have to do that again uh, in, this, in this Super Regional but I like Duke in this. Just, I mean, I like Vanderbilt in this just because I don't know if Duke has enough consistent offense to keep up with what Vanderbilt's going to bring to the weekend series. Yeah, I don't, I, I'll keep it brief because I don't have a whole lot to add there. Um, I'm with you guys. I feel more confident in Vanderbilt than I do in, in, in UCLA um, for, for the reason you stated here. I, I will say it's interesting, and, and Teddy touched on this, the, these two teams played to begin last season. I was, I was at that series, um, and I remember writing at the time that, you know, it was kind of a um, – it was kind of a coming out party in a lot of ways for Duke because that was a, a Vanderbilt team that was obviously quite talented. And this was a Duke team that was kind of trying to establish consistency. And, and they, they went out on the road at Vanderbilt and played toe to toe with them. They lost that series, but you know, they won the middle game of the series. They played them tight. Otherwise um, I kind of saw it as, as this, that, that program kind of growing up. So it'd be kind of poetic if, you know, they had this, this big breakthrough against Vanderbilt, you know, a couple of years later. So, but with that being said, I'm, I'm with you guys. And that, uh, for me, this is Vanderbilt. I just, uh, it's a really tough ask for Duke to, to be able to slow down that offense, the Vanderbilt offense enough and score enough themselves, uh, to overcome them. Now, if they had a healthy Graham Stinson and Adam Lasky, now we might be talking, but of course they, they don't and they haven't. So, um, I think it's Vanderbilt here, uh, pretty comfortable in that pick. We'll, uh, we'll stick with the Friday games or the, the Supers starting on Friday and we'll go to Lubbock where Texas Tech uh, swept through its regional, knocking out Dallas Baptist in the championship game. And they will get Oklahoma State, which uh, got pushed a little bit in, in the Oklahoma City regional, had to play a seventh game against UConn, ultimately knocked out the Huskies there. Oklahoma State pitched at a really high level all week on lawn, only 11 runs given up over their four games. Um, and they will now look to carry that over into the weekend. This is a rematch from earlier in the year, about a month ago. Oklahoma State went to Lubbock, got swept. Um, Frankly, I, uh, I was asked on, on um, Campus Insiders on Stadium today uh, what, what would give Oklahoma State optimism about like flipping this, what, what would have to happen uh, for them to flip this result, and I had a little bit of a difficult time coming up with an answer. Uh, my answer ultimately is that they need to pitch uh, the way that they pitched this weekend, but you know, this one... I, a lot was made at the start of the tournament about how there could be five supers um, if chalk held that would be in conference game, in conference matchups. Ultimately, we only get two of them. 
Um, but my biggest complaint about all of that was that we had seen literally every one of those matchups before, and almost all of them, maybe even all of them, were be, just going to be played in the same site, even. Like, I, I just don't need to see that again. And, you know, maybe Oklahoma State now, they've gotten really hot since they went to Lubbock the last time. Maybe they can carry that momentum in. They've, since then, they won a series in Corvallis. They won the Big 12 tournament title. Uh, they're playing a lot better, but it's still hard to see them going into Lubbock where Texas Tech plays so well, as I've mentioned several times this season, and uh, they have plenty of momentum of their own. But, Joe, you, you've seen, you, you were at the Big 12 tournament where, where Oklahoma State did end up winning. Um, do you think that Oklahoma State, do you think the Pokes have a chance to, to flip this result? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they really do. I mean, I think Jensen Elliott is pitching better than than really anybody on either of these two teams right now, I think. I mean, I think he certainly gives you a chance in the game he starts. And, you know, Oklahoma State's turned their pitching just in general around the second half of the season, a thing I wrote about uh, leading up to regionals last weekend, and that it's not just him. It's, you know, it's Parker Scott and Brett Stanley and, and Peyton Battenfield in the bullpen. And that's really been a huge, huge key for them. And, you know, I don't know if this helps or hinders them or if it matters at all, but, you know, Oklahoma State does kind of have a feel of kind of America's team right now a little bit because, you know, I think everyone collectively on Saturday when Trevor Boone hit that home run in Oklahoma City, I think college baseball's Twitters did that thing, like that cartoon thing where your eyes turn to hearts, you know, like when he hit that home run and, you know, yelled boom as he hit it and had a bat flip and it broke the letter at Bricktown Ballpark on the, the lights above the, the video board. Um, I think people have kind of caught on to that. This is kind of a, a fun team, if nothing else. It's a lot of feast or famine on offense and, um, you know, it got a lot of guys with emotion and, um, you know, uh, big celebrations and, and all that. So I don't, like I said, I don't know how that helps, hinders, or doesn't matter at all, but it is kind of an interesting thing we have going into this. And, and you know, Dan Lawfield this time of year can is very can play very offensive, um, so wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of runs put up here. So I think it really will come down to which of these two pitching staffs that really has kind of reinvented themselves through the year ends up pitching a little bit better. Because I, I mentioned Oklahoma State's you know, uh, how they've been revamped. And Texas Tech's kind of been a similar thing. I mean, uh, you know, Caleb Killian's been pretty solid for a while now, but Micah Dallas going into the rotation has been a huge key for Texas Tech steadying things out there in the rotation. And then the bullpen, John McMillan's been really, really good. When I saw him earlier in the year, um, granted on a cold, nasty day in Frisco, uh, velocity was a little bit down, was having trouble commanding things, um, but he's been really, really good as of late. Um, you know, Taylor Floyd's been a really nice piece out in the bullpen. So these are two teams that had major pitching question marks at different points of the season um, that seem to have, for the most part, answered them. Now, they're not UCLA's pitching staff, clearly, and they don't even really have maybe the high-end piece of, you know, Louisville when Reed Detmers is really, really on. But they both have really solid pitching staffs that I think are both capable of stringing together outs, and which one does that this weekend I think is going to be the biggest thing. Dave, think uh, Oklahoma State has a chance here? Yeah, I think they have a chance. I, I really do. I, you know, I, I went against Texas Tech in the regional, and uh, I'm going to do that again. I, and nothing against Tim Tadlock. I have a ton of respect for him, and I think what he's done with that program. I just, I like the way Oklahoma State is playing. I think Joe said it perfectly about America's team. I, I, I agree with that. And it, nothing that they're doing is fabulous. They're just doing it. And I have a ton of respect also for Josh Holiday and Rob Walton. And again, kind of like what I said about the Vanderbilt Super Regional, if I'm Texas Tech, I'm a little concerned because, you know, the law of average just kind of uh, weighs itself out. And, and getting, you know, with Oklahoma State getting swept the first time, you know it's the tide's going to turn. And with a coaching staff of Josh Holliday and Rob Walton, you don't see them losing five out of six to somebody very often. So I like Oklahoma State. I think this is one of the better Super Regionals, the more evenly matched Super Regionals, and I see this going to Game 3. It's going to be an exciting Super Regional, and I'm going against the Red Raiders again. I'm going to take the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Wow, all righty. So it, it is true, that, though, that these two teams know each other very well. So, you know, the more times they play each other, uh, you know, it, it it's going to be just difficult for Texas Tech to win five games in a year against Oklahoma State. There's There's no doubt about that. So... That will be um, an interesting one to play out in Lubbock this weekend. I am fascinated by the last Super that starts on Friday. That is Louisville hosting East Carolina. Um, they both had their struggles in in their, their regionals. Uh, I saw East Carolina's struggles coming, obviously, since I, I did pick Campbell to win that regional. I did not see Louisville struggling in the way that they did. That regional got 
a lot of controversy uh, when uh, Michael McAveen, Louisville's closer, was ejected um, for seemingly saying something not all that um, much to to an umpire after a pitch he thought was a strike was called a ball, um, and McAveen was walking away. So he uh, that triggers an automatic four-game suspension, which will carry over into part of the super. So uh, that is one thing to keep in mind, as Louisville is now without McAveen for the first couple games here. They still have the advantage on the mound, but East Carolina, uh, they have 47 wins this year, and they've uh, they've been playing very well from start to finish. They they have a lot of um, you know experience playing top-end teams. They're not going to be intimidated going into Louisville. It's a team that played at UCLA, played in Starkville, played in Oxford this season alone. Uh, you know, so I, I just really am going to be interested in that. And uh, these are two fiery teams with, uh, you know, th- there's going to be a lot of heart shown. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if we got some more fireworks this weekend in Louisville. Joe, you, uh, you've you seen the Cardinals. What, what what are your thoughts on on their chances against the Pirates this weekend? Yeah, I, you know, I, um, I I like their chances. I think that's another team that I think getting pushed like they did, there were a couple things at play. I think getting pushed like they did might be a little bit beneficial. I also think that, you know, that situation with Michael McAveen, I mean, I think for sure in that regional, uh, fired them up a little bit. I, I'm certain that, I'm certain that Illinois State was not particularly thrilled that they seemed to be ignited a little bit after that play happened. I'm not sure it changes the result or anything. We'll never know that, but uh, certainly they, they didn't need any extra motivation and they got some. So um, that was kind of an interesting thing there. And, you know, with East Carolina, I wonder, you know, as much as they would like to play at, at Clark LeClaire, I'm sure they would. That's a great fan base that turns out in huge numbers. And, and Cliff Godwin's been very, um, very vocal about how much he appreciates that support. I mean, that was kind of one of the things you saw time and again this past weekend was him in postgame talking about how much the fan base means to him and, and means to his players and so on and so forth. The other thing about it is, though, is that, I mean, this is a team that's very, uh, everyone's very aware. This is probably the most successful college baseball program in the modern era that has not made a trip to Omaha. Um, and maybe in some way, it's a, there's a positive to going on the road and kind of not feeling some of that tension. I mean, the fan base wants it so bad. Cliff Godwin wants it so bad for his for his team and his program, and the players obviously want it so bad. Uh, you know, maybe there's some something freeing about going on the road and maybe playing a little looser and um, not having that type type of thing kind of hanging there. And I've never been a coach. I've never been in that position. Dave could speak to it better than I could. But but I almost wonder if there's a little bit of positive in playing away from home, given that situation and, and kind of what they're trying to accomplish for the first time. Dave, uh, I guess, yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? I know that's something Fullerton had, has experienced. Uh, and then also, what did you think about the ejection and, and what people have talked about with um, the, the lack of an appeals process for the players? Well, first, let me talk about, about East Carolina going on the road. I, I completely agree. And I'm not saying this because they were my pick to be one of the Omaha eight. Um, I think it does release some of the tension. I've played in that ballpark before. Um, and it is, you know, it is a, a ruckus crowd and, and there, there tends to be pressure and there may be a little bit of pressure relieved now that they get to go on the road. And, and I really believe I, I have all the respect for the Louisville program and what Dan does there, but I think this is the year East Carolina does get to Omaha. And I think it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a lot of emotion. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on in that regional, but I see East Carolina coming out on top as far as the, the ejection. I am really against it. I saw the video many times. Um, there was nothing he really said that was uh, in bad, you know, it was that terrible. I think that's exactly what I read out of his, or that's horrible. He didn't say that he was horrible. He said that was horrible. And I just think it was a, an umpire that was uh, uh, maybe got a little too emotional. I, I would venture to guess that if you ask the umpire today, and I don't know his name, and it's probably better, I don't know his name, to say it publicly, but I would venture to guess that he probably regrets um, his decision on how he handled that because it does affect, it affects the team. And, and I'm all about when someone crosses the line that they should be punished and ejected from a game. But I think in that case, that's the kind of situation where the higher, the, the, the people with more power need to intervene and, and say, this is, this is something that needs to be changed because it, it could have a big out, uh, in, outcome for this weekend. And that's not fair to the other 34 players and the coaching staff and the fan base 
in the administration of Louisville if it does have an effect, because there was nothing that was really done at a contest that that really deserved a four-game suspension with that ejection. But going back, I like East Carolina to get to Omaha. Cliff Godwin taking his program to Omaha for the first time, and I also believe playing away from home will take away some of the pressure. And again, like I said earlier, they're playing kind of with house money now. They're not exposed. They're not expected to win on the road in the Super Regionals, and this will be the year they come out on top. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to watch uh, this weekend. I I think that'll be a fun one. It did not get some great TV times, uh, but at the same time, that means if you're looking for baseball early in the day on on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, you, uh, you should be able to tune into some good ones there in Louisville. Moving on to the ones, the Supers starting on Saturday. Uh, let's start with Ole Miss and Arkansas, the other uh, all-conference matchup that actually came to fruition. Arkansas here, they uh, they really rolled through Fayetteville. Um, I, I wasn't surprised by that in any way. We talked about kind of just regionals that we didn't really see much of or pay much attention to. For me, that was Fayetteville. Like, I was aware that Nicola Dola was pitching against Arkansas, and that was about it. Oh, and I know that TCU hammered Jared Horn. But beyond that, I, I I didn't see a ton of Arkansas this weekend. I know that they handled their business very well. Ole Miss also handled business in Oxford very well after what happened last year in Oxford with them losing to Tennessee Tech. I'm not surprised that, that they didn't get pushed harder. Also, I felt like they kind of got a bit, little bit of a sweetheart regional. Uh, they ultimately see off Jacksonville State, another Ohio Valley Conference team. A uh, little, little bit of poetry there. After they lost to Tennessee Tech last year, this, this year they knock off Jacksonville State in, uh, in the regional final. They have the home field advantage, and it's a significant one. So, I mean, I, I have to like the Hogs here you know, against the Rebs, but you know, we've talked about how hot Oklahoma State is. This is an Ole Miss team that won the SEC tournament, or excuse me, bit, um, nearly won the SEC tournament, just uh, got beat by Vanderbilt there, and now is uh, coming off of a a sweep of their regional. So they do have a little bit of momentum. Ole Miss won this series. They went into bomb earlier this year and won. So that is is a place that that they're familiar with, of course, uh, being SEC West uh, foes. No one's going to be intimidated here. It's just going to be, you know, who who has a bet, who who goes out and wins. And uh, I I think it's going to be an interesting one. But but for me, Arkansas is the the favorite here. Uh, Dave, wh- what do you think uh, about this one? To that, and I could be wrong on this, but I almost I want to say that Ole Miss won the game, the matchup in the SEC tournament too, to eliminate Arkansas. So I think. Right now, in fact, I thought I saw heard they that split in the SEC tournament, but yes, they they did eliminate Arkansas. Okay, so yeah, I, so I was right. What I heard, I think I had heard that Ole Miss had won uh, three, four out of the last five that they played, or something like that, um, or three out of the last five that they played. I I think the biggest thing, what you said, I think uh, the stadium, the atmosphere, is the difference here. Um, I, I see Arkansas coming out on top. It's not going to be easy because I, I really, truly believe uh, you go back to three weeks ago when, when Ole Miss was really struggling and people were scratching their heads, what's going on with the Rebels? They've turned it on at the right time. But I see Arkansas come out on top, and I think the big reason why is the home field advantage in the Super Regional, which is going to be a little different than a weekend series in the SEC, even though that's crazy. It's going to be even crazier and wilder in a super regional and, and um, I, I, I like Arkansas to get back to Omaha. And I think they they have a chance to make another run off of what happened last year and kudos to, to Dave Van Horn and his team and his coaching staff, because after what happened last year for them to be back, almost knocking on the door of getting back to Omaha. And there's a lot of talent there too, but emotionally and psychologically for what they had to go through being one out away from being national champions. I think they have a chance to, to get close or have a chance to play for the national championship again. I like the Hogs in this Super Regional. So it's funny, Teddy, you mentioned that you didn't watch much of the, the Fayetteville Regional because obviously I was watching a lot of bases loaded, but I, I feel like even they didn't really watch much of that regional because for the, for the same reason. And I was actually on um, an Arkansas podcast leading up to regionals, and I, I, I mentioned that very thing. I said, you know, what's funny is that 
I think the best compliment I can give the Arkansas program is I feel like I don't see much of Arkansas until they get into a super regional or if they get to Omaha because, and I don't have their entire history here in front of me. So maybe there's an Arkansas and fade out there screaming about the one time that, you know, that, that they kind of got tripped up in a home regional, but I feel like for the most part, they, they do a really good job of that, taking care of business in their home regionals and not really making it, um, you know, not really making it, uh, without incident, um, getting through without incident. So I was kind of came into the weekend thinking that might be the case again. And it absolutely was, um, you know, I like, I like Arkansas here as well. I mean, um, Ole Miss has been so up and down and, and a lot of times that, that up and down has been due to what they get from the pitching staff. And, and while Will Etheridge and Doug Nikhazy have, have been actually, you know, in the abstract, really good for them this year. Um, they are kind of more pitch to contact guys on, on the spectrum of things. I mean, there's no John Doxakis on this, uh, pitching staff, for example, um, or an Ethan Small on this pitching staff, for example. So with that being kind of their style there, I just don't know that that fits well with what Arkansas is going to do. Um, so it seems like a tough matchup there. And on the other side, Isaiah Campbell's been really, really good as of late. Um, so I, I like their chances certainly to get off to a really good start there. Um, and then, of course, when you're trying to come back from losing that first thing, first game, it's a, it's a tough thing to pull off. So I like Arkansas here, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Ole Miss makes it a series because that's kind of what they've done all years. When the expectations drop kind of low, they they kind of uh, they, they rise back up. But um, you know, I, it's just I think it's a, kind of a tough stylistic matchup for Ole Miss as much as anything else. Yeah, that that is a good point about Ole Miss. They do seem to rise to the occasion when their backs are against the wall, uh, and if they get in that situation here this weekend, it'll it will be interesting to see how they respond. We also have here on uh, among the Saturday Supers, we have Auburn, which upset Georgia Tech in the Atlanta Regional. Uh, they beat Georgia Tech twice. Uh, they move on to face North Carolina, another ACC opponent. Uh, UNC took care of business in a, in a big way uh, in, in their regional, beating Tennessee uh, to move on to Supers. And North Carolina now has won seven straight since... Um, the end of the regular season. They won the ACC tournament. Uh, at the end of the regular season, the way they played against North Carolina State, the final two days of the regular season, I didn't think the Tar Heels were going anywhere in the postseason. All they've done is win seven straight games. So they're coming in with momentum. Auburn is coming in beat up on the pitching staff. Tanner Burns is probably not going to do much of anything in the Super Regional. He may make an appearance as a reliever for an inning or so. Um, but once Auburn gets past Jack Owen and then a couple of, of their big-time relievers, they are going to be thin on the mound, and North Carolina has a big advantage in terms of the pitching, which is why I like the Tar Heels here. Uh, but, Joe, do you uh, do you see that playing out any differently? No, not really. I mean, it's hard to – it's hard to – knowing all of that, I mean, it's hard to really go against North Carolina. But the thing about it is – Auburn's had to play like this so long this year. I mean, this is essentially what they've been all year. I mean, Tanner Burns has, for the most part, I mean, he's he's thrown a lot of games. He hasn't missed that many games kind of in the uh, in the big picture, but he's been compromised for a decent amount of it. Jack Owen was out for a, a long period of time. And so it, it kind of feels like this is how, of course, they've, they've not had Davis Daniel really at all. So it, it kind of feels like this is just how they've had to go about their business all year. So I do think there is some sort of inherent advantage of them knowing like, you know, we're a little bit beat up on the mound. We're just going to have to ugly up this game and then try to win ugly. And they do a pretty good job of that. I mean, they've done a really good job this year. I mean, they they were never really in the mix, at least in the second half of the year, never really in the mix to host a regional, but they were also never really too seriously on the bubble. They were just kind of a steady team that did en always did enough to keep themselves in that position. So I, I like North Carolina here, but to your original point, Teddy, like it's it's not like North Carolina was this bastion of consistency throughout the year. I mean, they've had their own issues on the pitching staff. Um, they've been healthier um, outside of Delatry, I suppose. But but they, you know, sometimes it's been a struggle to put back-to-back -back weekends together where they've gotten good outings from their starters. So, you know, it's, it's, it's also not, doesn't seem like it's out of the realm of possibility that Auburn comes in there. And like I said, just kind of makes it an uglier game, knocks UNC starters out of the game early, um, and kind of wins a battle of just stitching it together and, and maybe – the advantage of them having had to win this way all year kind of, uh, you know, ends up pushing them up, up and uh, over and above. But um, I think just on paper, you have to like UNC to come out of it, just how, how much better they're set up going into it. And that is a good point about, uh, you know, just Auburn's moxie. Butch Thompson, I continue to be amazed by the job he does there. Uh, Dave, do you think uh, 
do, do you think that or, or anything else gives uh, gives Auburn a chance here to, to go on the road uh, to Chapel Hill and, and, you know, break back through to Omaha? Well, you kind of just said it, and I'm going to repeat it. You know, Joe, as I've, as I've realized over time throughout this year, Joe is very intelligent in his words of what he used what he says. And that was a very intelligent comment about Auburn. I don't think they're feeling sorry for themselves. Oh, we're down some guys. We, we're not supposed to, they, they've done it all year long like that. And again, you said it, Butch Thompson uh, is doing another great job. I'm going to kind of go with the sentimental favorite here because of what Auburn had to endure last year in the Florida super regional and how they, how they lost that game that propelled Florida to Omaha. I'm going to go with Auburn in this. I, I, I like this matchup for them. Uh, I know North Carolina is playing good baseball with winning seven straight. They went through the regional pretty easily. But I kind of like Auburn here because of the toughness of what they've had to go through. Starting last year at the end of the year, what they've had to go through this year with the injuries, I kind of like the the odds against them, them coming out on top of this, and then another great coaching job by Butch Thompson and his coaching staff. I like Auburn to advance to Omaha. All right, so we now have, we are down to, for my money, the two juiciest supers on the board this weekend. Let's start with uh, Stanford crossing the country to face Mississippi State. You had Stanford, like we mentioned, got pushed by Fresno State in their, uh, in, in their home regional. Mississippi State was pushed by Southern in the opening game. Ultimately, the Bulldogs won that game and, and went on and, and really took care of business uh, the next couple days. They, they survived their scare without a loss. Stanford, of course, did have to play that seventh game against Fresno State. I just love when the Pac-12 and the SEC match up. I, I think that's a lot of fun. I think that this environment is going to be amazing. Uh, you know, Duty Noble is, is going to be absolutely rocking for, for its first Super Regional uh, with this new stadium. And, you know, Stanford is a team that, you know, has a lot of power. And, and the way the new ballpark is playing in Starkville, you can hit some home runs there. So I think that, you know, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, you know, you have to like what Mississippi State has on the mound, but Stanford has some depth there. I, I don't know. I, I, I could see this, um, you know, I like Mississippi State in it, but I, I can see Stanford really making some noise here. And I, I don't know. I, I am very interested to see how this one plays out. Dave, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on Stanford going to Starkville? You said it perfectly, Teddy. I think part of the is, you know, a West Coast team that plays in the Pac-12. They, they're not going to be used to this atmosphere. This is going to be this is going to be an atmosphere that, they, that this team probably has has not seen in a long time. And I know that because Stanford has hosted regionals and they haven't gotten out of regionals the last few years. And they notoriously don't go very far east to play their non-conference games. So it's going to be a different atmosphere for this group to get through. Uh, I like Mississippi State at home, but my big concern is TJ Ginn and what his health is. I think if he's healthy, they have an advantage. I think this is going to be a high-scoring super regional. Um, and I think the advantage, you know, Mississippi State is a good team. This is one of those situations that I talked about earlier about the reseeding. It's almost like these two teams shouldn't be playing because they, these are two worthy teams of going to Omaha and one of them is going to be eliminated. But I think the atmosphere and the fact that uh, it's going to be a high-scoring event, um, I like Mississippi State at home, but I'm a little cautious because I'm not sure exactly. Uh, I know TJ again was, uh, was taken out of the game last weekend, and I'm not sure what his status is. And I think that does weaken the Bulldogs pitching a lot, which could help Stanford, but I still like Mississippi State in a really close, one of the better Super Regionals coming out on top. Yeah, I think this one's going to be a lot of fun uh, for all those same reasons. I, um, you know, I think it's interesting that it is that Pac-12 SEC matchup that, that Teddy alluded to, and I think there's a tendency to kind of look at it as, oh, this will be an interesting stylistically SEC power arms and, and power hitters, and Pac-12 going to come in there and try to slap the ball around and bun, and this this ain't that necessarily. Stanford's going to come in there and slug too, so that'll be interesting stylistically. And then Stanford brings some athleticism too; they they run a decent amount, so. Um, that'll be just kind of interesting, interesting difference in what we've seen from these type of cross regional matchups before. And, uh, JT against health is, is kind of a, a concern, but I, I'm knowing that it's only going to be three games and this is not like a regional, obviously in that, you know, regional could be three games. It could be four, it could be five, uh, with the, with the super regional, you know, it's no more than three games. And so I think 
Mississippi State has an advantage where even if they aren't at full health, they know they've got Ethan Small at the front and that Peyton Plumlee's been really solid for them. I think they're comfortable just doing a bullpen game in one game if they have to. They've done that this year before. I think they've got the depth out there uh, to be able to pull that off, kind of a scripted bullpen game, if you will. Um, so I'm not as necessarily worried about that. And I've been on the Mississippi State train all year from when I saw them early this year. I think there's just there's depth everywhere. I mean, clearly at this point that has been has been had borne out uh, with the results. So uh, no reason to go away from it here. But but I'm with you guys. I think this one's just going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Stanford is obviously very, very talented. It's a team we thought highly of all year. Um, so it, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if they came out of this one. But I just think this Mississippi State team has been on another level most of the year. Um, and I, I just really like their talented depth. Yeah, the other thing with Ginn is that he came out of that game on Friday. Um, this super doesn't start until Saturday. They'll throw small in game one. So he gets two extra days to, to recover. We'll see if that's enough. They haven't announced anything. Ginn tweeted something kind of maybe indicative of him being able to pitch, but you know we'll just have to see uh, as things get closer to to the start of that that super. Uh, the last super regional matchup is Florida State, which upset Georgia in Athens. Like I mentioned, they are going to LSU to play Baton Rouge. LSU uh, swept through that field, got tested a bit in a couple of the games. Southern Miss made things interesting in the regional final, but ultimately. Uh, LSU sweeps through, um, and they now get uh, their home super against what has to be the sentimental favorite of the tournament. Um, I mean, I know it's mine, but like that, ha I think nationally, you talk to people around college baseball. I think most people want to see Mike Martin minimally get to Omaha this year. You know, so Florida State, uh, you know, is is playing for a lot more than than just um, you know the the normal national championship stuff they are they're trying to send mike martin out uh on top and to, to extend his career and everything so it's going to be uh, a really fun atmosphere in the box these are two of the bluest bloods in college baseball they have not matched up very often at all which is interesting at, at least um you know in on-campus sites i'm pretty sure they've matched up in, in omaha but they um florida state hasn't been to baton rouge since the mid 80s uh, so, you know, that's that's just going to be a fun atmosphere with those those two teams, those two fan bases, uh, you know, going at it this weekend. I, I think that that's that's going to be, um, you know, one of the marquee uh, supers that everyone's watching for in terms of that kind of stuff. But I think on the field, it can be very interesting as well. Florida State really started crushing the ball this weekend. And now they're going to Alex Box Stadium, which can get pretty offensive, especially this time of year. And, you know, I, I talked last week about how I felt like LSU had the advantage on the mound um, over Arizona State and, and Southern Miss, which is something that hasn't been said a ton uh, in the second half of this year. But I, I now think that the advantage on the mound is, is negated, that uh, I don't think either one of these pitching staffs is, is particularly better than the other. Florida State might have an advantage in terms of frontline guys, but LSU might have more depth. But I think ultimately this is uh, these are two teams that if they're operating at their best, and it certainly looks like Florida State's finally hit its stride, they're difficult to parse. So it'll be interesting. It's hard to beat LSU in the box, but I, I do like what um, what Florida State has going for it, the mojo it has, the momentum it has. And so I like the Knowles to get back to Omaha, but I've liked the Knowles to – get to Omaha since since uh, for more than a year now and they're my preseason pick to win the national championship so uh Joe give give us a little um uh, I don't want to say unbiased because I don't want to say I'm biased but um give us a little more neutral take uh from, from this regional yeah I really don't I don't know that I have a take that's the thing too because I don't really know what to expect here um you know there's just these two teams have been, it's kind of funny they end up together because they're two of the teams that have been most confounding this year. Obviously, with Florida State being so highly ranked, and it wasn't just us, by the way. It's not like we were out there on an island on feeling good about Florida State this year, and then to have them struggle the way they did and, and now kind of maybe rebound at the right time. And LSU kind of similarly went through its struggles in SEC play, and there were a lot of times where, you know, we, we had our talks in our top 25 discussions on Sundays about, like, do we – do we draw? And there were times where they were in the late teens in the rankings, and we were thinking maybe one more week, and LSU's not ranked, but they always stayed in, and they would bounce right back up, and they they yo-yoed more than uh, 
you know, I think they and Ole Miss were probably the two teams that yo-yoed as much as anybody else this year. So I, I don't really know what to expect. And they, they both kind of rounded round. The other thing I would say is they both kind of round into form in different ways. LSU, you mentioned kind of firming up that pitching a little bit. They've had to mix and match a whole lot out there, but it kind of feels like they've hit on some things late um, that have, that have, have really helped in that way. And so I'm with you there that their pitching looks a whole lot better than it did a month or six weeks ago. And, and we've talked about that before. So I don't, I don't really know where to go here. I guess it's, it's hard to bet against LSU and Alex Box Stadium. That always seems like a safe bet to, to go with them there. Um, I think you're right, and it's going to be just one of the more fun Super Regionals we have. Um, I'm probably going LSU just because, because of that, the factor with the, the Alex Box Stadium being kind of a difference maker there. Um, but I think it's going to be tight, and I think LSU's, you know, or, I'm sorry, Florida State, um, you know, as if they needed any more motivation, they know what's on the line here. They know that it's 11s last year. And, and, you know, nobody, I think sometimes the extra motivation thing gets played up a little bit too much because if these guys don't need any extra motivation to try to win in a super regional, uh, clearly. Um, but that being said, I mean, that is a little something extra hanging out there. So this, this one's going to be a whole lot of fun and I, I don't have, um, any sort of read on where it's going to go, uh, from here. Uh, side note real quick. I, I, uh, the 2017 Fayetteville Regional. For all those Arkansas fans out there, that's the one I found. Missouri State. The Jake Berger-led Missouri State team uh, won the Fayetteville Regional in 2017. So that, that's the one that the Arkansas fans were shouting at me when I said most of the time they take care of business. So just wanted to get that out there uh, before I get tweets about it. So um, anyway, no real read. I mean, this one's tough to read, but I'm going to go LSU. Alex Box Stadium feels like they've kind of gotten some things figured out that they struggle with during the season. But I, but I can't wait to see it for sure. Dave, what are your uh, what are your thoughts? Is is Florida State getting back to Omaha one last time with eleven? As in all my coaching days, and I learned this from Coach Horton, and and you know playing for him and coaching under him, we always talk about the baseball gods, and the baseball gods know. And if you just look at this scenario of Florida State going to the box playing LSU, if this is Coach Martin's last game at Florida State. He ends it in a historical place of college baseball in, in Baton Rouge against LSU. And I don't think the story could end any, any better, but I think it does end better because I think Florida state ends up winning this super regional. It is almost nearly impossible most of the time to win an Alex box in this kind of atmosphere. And especially this time of year, but I think the baseball gods are behind 11 behind the Florida state team. And the other thing I look at is, we just saw Florida State going to Athens and beat what is probably one of the better pitching staffs in college baseball, one of the better teams in college baseball, and they beat them pretty handily. And they went through that regional pretty handily. And, you know, LSU has had a good team all year. They haven't been quite at the levels, maybe the consistency of Georgia. They don't have the pitching of Georgia. So for me, it's about how does Florida, or does Florida State keep this momentum going? And I think the fact that they know what they're playing for, and they're not just playing for 11. They are playing for 11, but they're also playing to get to the College World Series, too, that this program is notoriously in a lot of times. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be wild. But like I said, at the end of the day, it's Mike Martin, if this is the end, he finishes his career – in one of the most historical places of college baseball where Skip Bertman, what Skip, where Skip Bertman built that program. But I think they get past LSU and they propel into Omaha. It'll be the story of all stories of college baseball for years to come. But I like, F, I like Florida state to win in a tight one in Baton Rouge. Yeah, that's going to be absolutely must see viewing uh, this weekend. I I'm, cannot wait to see how that one, how that one shakes out. Uh, so that brings us to the end of the super regional matchups. We've we've gone through all eight. Um, before we uh, wrap this up, I want to ask, you know, last week we we gave national championship picks. Dave and I went with UCLA. Joe went with Vanderbilt. Uh, does anyone want to change their national championship pick after what they saw this weekend? No, I'm sticking with the Bruins. I think they got uh, they got their scare this past weekend in their own regional and. Um, I think it kind of just woke them up. Uh, I think they're, again, we've talked about this a lot. They're the most complete team. And I think they carry, they carry that into Omaha. And, and, uh, and Omaha gets a little easier because you have some days. It doesn't get easier. Let me rephrase that. Omaha is never easy. But you have some days off, which is going to stretch their deep pitching even farther. Um, I'm sticking with the Bruins as my national champion. 
Yeah, sticking with Vanderbilt. No reason to change that now, I think. I mean, um, you know, I, obviously we talked about how we like them in this Super Regional. I think once you get to Omaha, you, um, you know, you, you, really anything can happen. So, you know, stick with the stick with the, the choice you've made because, I mean, to other, Dave's other point, I mean, the thing about Vanderbilt that you're a little bit concerned about is that, you know, sometimes – uh, you know, in the bullpen, it's not as as consistent. They don't have maybe some of those high end options other teams have, but that gets mitigated a little bit by the fact that you know if you do hit on one or two guys you like, you can kind of keep bringing them back. You're not going to get stretched out quite as much. So, I uh, still like Vanderbilt. Yeah, I'll stick with UCLA. I mean, I maybe feel a little bit better about Vanderbilt right now than I do about UCLA, but I still do feel like UCLA is the most complete team in the nation and with the best pitching staff, and and that's the kind of stuff that that wins in the NCAA tournament. So I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep our, our national championship picks and uh, we'll, we'll see how that fares uh, this weekend in super regionals. So remember uh, if you are, if you're listening to this podcast and you are not subscribed to the baseball America podcast, remember to, to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. I cannot tell you exactly when we will record a podcast next week. So that's why it's important to be subscribed so it just shows up on your phone whenever it is we we do it next week uh between traveling to omaha and wrapping up super regionals and everything uh we'll we'll, we'll find a time to get it done but I, I, the uh the schedule as it stands is a little uncertain so make sure you're subscribed so that you're not looking for that link it just shows up uh there for you on your favorite podcasting app and while you're at it uh, you might as well give us a, a rating or a review if you can hopefully uh five stars and and nice comments there you can uh, check out plenty of content this week over at baseballamerica.com as the draft wraps up today uh, and we start looking towards super regional matchups and everything else that, that we provide at, at this time of year over at baseballamerica.com. So make sure to check that out and you can follow us on Twitter. Um, we'll be giving thoughts uh, throughout the weekend um, you know, as, uh, as these, these super regionals get underway. I am at Ted Cahill. Dave is at Dave Serrano 11 and Joe is at Joe underscore on underscore sports. So that does it for today on the baseball America college podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Dave. Thank you to Joe. And we will see you back here next week.